Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. But church, I'm going to continue our series this morning. We're talking uh, Selah, Summer in the Psalms. And um, I'm actually going to speak from one of my favourite Psalms. I think Psalms are kind of like kids. You're not supposed to have favourites. Okay, that's technically the reason. None of us have favourites. We all we love them all equally. But there are certain elements about certain Psalms that you really love uh, the best. And Psalm 139 is one of my favourites. And so we're going to continue that series this morning and I'm going to speak from there. So if you've got your Bibles with you, if you've got your iPads, iPhones, you can open it up to Psalm 139. If you don't, then it will be up behind me on the screen. Thanks, band. So Psalm 139 says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and will, and will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. Oh, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The whole premise of our series uh, this January is Sila simply means to stop, to pause and to think about this. And we wanted to take some psalms and stop and pause and think about what is the message in that psalm that God is trying to portray to you and I? How does that relate to me? What can I get out of that? And in Psalm 139, I feel there are four things that David is saying to you and I. And the first one is this, it said, God knows you. 
He says, you search me and you know me. And not only does God know you, but God pursues you. He goes on to say, where can I go from you, Lord? If I go right, you're there. If I go left, you're there. If I go up, you're there. If I go down, you're there. Wherever I go, there you are with me. God not only knows you, God pursues you, but God also made you. He says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You fashioned, formed and shaped me. And how's this? The fourth thing that I think God wants us to know is that he also has a plan for you. He says, all the days are ordained for me and they've been written in your book. And I don't know if you've guessed the common theme this morning, but the common theme for me in 1 Psalm 39 is you. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's you. It's you. No, it's you. God, the theme for 139 is you. You matter to God. You are important. God wants you to know this morning that He wants you to be you. You matter to God. He made you. He created you. He knows you. He formed you. He has a plan for you. He loves you. God is saying in one Psalm, in Psalm 139 that you matter to Him. And so this morning, I just wanted to talk about how you can be the best you that you can be. And I, you know, sometimes I struggle with that because you think it's such a simple message. But this is what I've discovered. It's a message that's actually under attack. I think that the enemy understands if we knew the power of who we were, if we truly understood that God knows us, that He's made us, that He pursues us, that He created us, that He loves us, if we knew the power of that, we would live in a way He's designed and wants us to live, that the enemy is scared of that. So the biggest attack is if he can get you off point, if he can get you thinking, I'm no good. I'm not how God, I'm not the way that God made me. I'm not the way I'm supposed to be. If he can get us questioning who we are, he gets us to question God and that's the aim. And so this world is geared at attacking our identity in who we are. This world is geared in making us want to be anything else other than ourselves. I don't know if you understand the pressure for me to get up and speak to you because I think this is such a simple message. This is so easy. But do you know how many times I find myself, I'm not even living out what it is I'm sharing with you. So it's a, to me, it's one of those things we've got to keep revisiting and keep revisiting and keep revisiting because God made me and He's happy with what He made. It's me who has the problem often. And so this morning I want to talk to us about how we can be the best we we were the best we's we can be. I want to talk about how you can be the best you, because I'm, I'm including me. So I've just got to be careful that I'm not talking at you. I'm talking with us, but I'm talking to you. This world is geared to make you want to be anything else other than yourself. I mean, you don't take a photo anymore and just go, that's it. There are so many filters. There are so many things. You can take an inch off here. You can make yourself longer. You know, there's an app. You can take your photo of yourself. I've seen these guys do it. They take a photo of themselves with their shirt off and then they can put like abs on themselves. 
It's nothing sacred. We're not, we're just like, you know, and then you can post it and people go, gee, I didn't know you looked like that under your shirt. It's like, well, I don't, but hey, you'll never see it, so it doesn't really matter. But this world is geared to be happy with anything else other than who you are. I mean, I was so devastated the other day. I read an article where there was, you know, like actors can have stunt doubles and they, I get that sometimes they want to have body doubles, but I read where this actress had a hand double. I'm like, what is wrong with your hands? That the, that the producer is like, no, those hands aren't good enough. Who's got better hands? I mean, that's sad, isn't it? Like, sad, like surely her hands are okay. Her hands are fine. She's got everything there. It doesn't matter. If there's a few wrinkles, what's the point? But you know what? I was in a coffee shop just this week. Ordered my coffee. I was waiting for it. I was just sitting at the area there and these two young girls came in and I think they were potentially maybe late teens, possibly could have been early 20s. And they were gorgeous girls. And they walked in, but the first thing I noticed when they walked in is they'd obviously had some Botox done to their lips because they had these very big, they looked red, angry. They had the lipstick on, but they just didn't look normal. And can I tell you, Instantly, I just thought, my, I thought, these are girls, they're, they're early, t- late teens, early 20s, and they already feel like they don't fit in, that what they are, not, um, how they've been made and created is not good enough, that they feel that they could enhance it. And then what broke my heart even more is there were four people sitting at a table. And as they walked in, they obviously saw them too. I mean, again, like I said, they just walked into the coffee shop. So it's obvious that they'd had this work done. And these four people sat in there. And I, from where I could see, their back, they, the girls' backs were to them and I was facing them. I watched them mock these young girls, just doing the... And I just, again, I, how I got out of there without crying, I just thought, are you kidding me? Here's some young, beautiful young girls who society has told them that they don't measure up, who they are is not good enough and they need to make some enhancements so that they can be better. And yet, and then the rest of the world sat there and mocked them and laughed them for what they did. And while we get indignant and we get mad about that, we've got to say, hey, where are we doing that in our own lives? Where are we enhancing and helping? Because we actually intrinsically are not happy with who it is that God has made us to be. Now, I'm all for self-improvement. I'm all for taking on and growing, but I'm talking about making a better me, not trying to imitate or be someone else. I'm saying, where can I learn? What can I do that I can be better at that? Maybe there's some habits and some things that are not helpful that I want to change or improve in, but I still want to intrinsically, it's me. It's about being a better me, not me trying to be someone else. And so I want to look at Psalm 139 this morning and just talk to us about what God is telling, trying to tell us in this psalm. One of my favourite quotes in all the world is by Edwin Elliott. It says this, By being yourself, you put something wonderful in the world that was not there before. And I don't know about you, but I want to put something wonderful in the world. There's lots of people putting lots of nasty stuff and not good stuff, not helpful stuff. But I want to put something wonderful in the world. Who's with me? But do you know that that's something wonderful in the world? Do you know who it is and what it is? Yes, it's you. It's you. Give the girl a star. It's you. I want to put something wonderful in the world that wasn't there before. So how can I be the best me that God's made me to be? How can you be the best you that God has made you to be? Well, the number one is this. You've got to remember you're unique. Verse 13 says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Did you know that you are one of a kind? Everybody whip your hands out now. Look at your fingers, Prince. I don't know if you can see them, but you know they're there. And if you've ever had to go to the police station, you definitely know that they're there. But I want to tell you this, your fingerprints are not for police purposes. Yes, it's a handy form of identification and it helps them with how they're processing things. But your fingerprints are a permanent reminder from God that you are unique. Do you know that there has never in the history of the world been anybody who has your fingerprints? Do you know that presently with the 7 billion people that live presently in the world, not one of them has your fingerprints? Do you know that whoever is to come into this world in the next years, however long life continues on, no one will ever have your fingerprints. You are unique. Look to the person next to him and say, you're unique. You're unique. You're unique. I love the, ver- the message version of um, verse 13. It says this, Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. We're all different. We're all created differently. But what I love in the imagery of that scripture is that I see God as the master craftsman that is bending down lovingly, forming and fashioning each and every one of us individually. I don't know if you've ever seen those sandcastle competitions. Do you remember ever seeing them? They used to do them down at Brighton Beach and they would have all these amazing monstrosities that they would make out of sand. You're thinking, how can they do that just with sand and water to watch this... um, sculptors come along and they made the Taj Mahal one day. They've made all sorts of things and it's because they've just spent hours. Some of them take up to eight hours to be able to put together this sand sculpture. And you just watch the artist. He's just oblivious to anything that's going on and he's lovingly shaping every nook and cranny, making it how he wants to be. And I remember in our early years, of um, marriage and Tony and I would quite often go to the beach and I would go with Tony's dad, uh, Keith in. For those of you who may not know, Keith's a sculptor. And one year we were at the beach and Keith said, oh, I need a model. I want to do a mermaid. So silly me said, I'll be your model. Because I thought, cool, I want to be a mermaid. I'm thinking I'm going to sit on the beach and he's just going to pack the sand on. I'm going to look like a moto, a moto, a model. We're going to get our photo opportunity. I'm done. Three hours later, I've got sand in places I didn't know sand could go. And I'm on the beach. I am sweating. I'm like, I came to the beach to swim. But I'm the model, I'm the mermaid. And plus, because I had to be in this uncomfortable kind of position on the ground, and then away away Keith goes. Now, he was oblivious. I'm sweating. I've got cramp. I'm like, help me, Jesus, please. Get me out of here. Someone throw water on the mermaid. I mean, I'm dying. But you know what? He was like lovingly bent over. He had no idea. He was like every scale individually done. I had not just, here's the shape of a mermaid, but scales and then the, these bits and the shells and then the tail and then the fin on the tail. That's how God has shaped and created you. 
He didn't just go, yep, that'll do. He spent over. He's fashioned you. He's formed you. He's created you. He's like the master artist at work saying, no, I'm just going to move that there. I'm just going to put that there. No, this is going to go here. That's the depth of knowledge and care and love that God has invested in the creation called you. That's what God has done for you. You've been lovingly, deliberately, purposefully created. Your bone structure, your height, your eye, your hair colour, the gifts and talents are things that make you tick. Not just random acts of accidentalness, but fashioned and formed and shaped like the artist he is. You're not a Maxwell Williams dinner set that you can go to house and buy, then everything's the same. You're a handcrafted pottery. Just like you can have a dinner set, the same stuff, but individual little bits different. When you line them up, you go, they're the same, but they're different. Someone once said this, it's the same dirt, it's just a different utensil. You and I are made of the same dirt. God said he fashioned Adam out of the dirt. We're made of the same dirt. We're just different utensils. We need to look at each other and celebrate our differences and say, you know what? Just as you're unique, I'm unique. So what can we learn out of Psalm 139 is you are unique. Secondly, if you want to be the best you that you can be, you've got to stop comparing now, I know this is simple and that's why I struggle with it because I think, oh, but you know what? It's always the comparison part of it that trips me up in life. If ever I find myself where I'm uh, doubting God, I'm questioning God, I'm questioning my own abilities, I've found that comparison has snuck into my world and into my life. But verse 14 says this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful I know that full well. Now the person next to you is also fearfully and wonderfully made. And we've just got to have to have the revelation that I don't need to compare myself to them because just as Dan is fearfully and wonderfully made and as Andre is fearfully and wonderfully made and everybody sitting in the seats this morning is fearfully and wonderfully made, so am I. And I don't need to look at them and say, well, that's not fair that that's this or they're better than this. I'm just, they're fearfully and wonderfully made and I rejoice and celebrate. But you know what? I need to have the revelation. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made because God tells me that in his word. If I want to be the best me that I can be and you want to be the best you that you can be, then stop comparing yourself to those around you. The thing I've learned about comparison is that a comparison is a thief. It steals your joy. It steals your contentment. It steals your gratitude. It steals your um, joy. It steals everything you have. Comparison will get to the point where it can even steal your life. Comparison is a thief. It wants everything from you. And if you give into it, it will take everything from you. This uh, scripture in 2 Corinthians 10:12 says this. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who are commend themselves. Because when you measure yourself against yourself and compare yourself with yourself, you are not wise. The Bible simply tells us it's not smart to compare. And what I've discovered is there's nothing that I'm immune to comparing. 
You compare everything. When you're younger, you're comparing your wardrobes that you have to other people. When you're going to school, you're comparing about her hairstyle compared to your hairstyle. You compare how she wears that as opposed to how you wear that. And as we get older, it doesn't change. We just compare different things. We compare how my kids are measuring up compared to how their kids are measuring up. When we're in the workforce, it's how I get my stuff on time. Is it how people do? We compare everything. And if you want to be the best you that you uh, can have been created to be, then you've got to stop comparing. Romans 12, 6 says this, We've been given different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. I love how the message puts it. It says this, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. In other words, what the Scripture is telling us is just be you. Be you. You know, when I first started in ministry 25 years ago with Tony, I was really daunted about the title and the role of pastor's wife. We had different... Uh, examples growing up, we had been in one church and we had two different pastor's wives and they were completely different ladies. One was really outgoing, vivacious and the life of the party and just out there. And the other one was very demure, um, very good at home. The homemaker could do anything and everything. And I was, they were the models that I had. And so when we first planned the church, I struggled because I just didn't know my place because I really wasn't either of them. And I remember we had a really good friend and he came to us and he said, Kath, this is what God would say to you. He said, just do it in accordance with your faith. So in other words, don't try and be them and don't try and be her, but just what has God placed on you? Who are you and do that? And I thought it was great advice, but then I found it's actually Scripture. It says in Hebrews, uh, I lost it now. Oh, it doesn't matter. But it's true. Trust me. All right. <laughs> oh, no, I read it to you. Romans 12, 6. It says, do it in accordance with your faith. So just do that. Don't worry about being this or being that. But God, this is what you've asked me to do. And so this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I, every time I get to preach, that's what I do. Because I'm like you. I listen to the podcast and I watch the people and I see Christine Kane and I see Priscilla Shire and I see Joyce Meyer. And guess what? I'm not like any of them. I love Joyce and I love what she says, but I can't sound like Joyce. (laughs) And Christine Kane is Greek and runs around and does whatever. And I I can't be them. And every time I get up, I say, Lord, why? Why me? And he says, because I called you what I need you to do. I've got one Christine Kane and she's amazing. I've got a Priscilla Shira and she's amazing. I've got a Joyce Meyer and she's incredible. He says, but you know what? I've got a Kath Rainbow and she's good too. So you can look at me and go, well, it's all right for you. I'm looking at you going, well, it's all right for you. And I was going to say, God, I can't get up here and say those things unless I live them out. And I've just had to learn not compare. I can listen to those amazing women and I can think, oh, I love that. But the trick is to bring it into the context of who I am. I love how she does that. I love what she says here. I love how she carries herself. I love the confidence with which she has. Lord, help me 
be a better me. Help me be confident like Christine Kane, not like be like Christine Kane or try and be Christine Kane, but help me have those qualities in her that I like, but me being them. We need to stop comparing. Holly Wagner says this, each of us have a unique role to play at this time in history and we will play it only by being comfortable in our own skin. We all have our own gifts and talents. We need to operate in accordance to the faith in which God has given us. Don't imitate. You can improve, but don't imitate. Remember this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So to be the best you that you can be, you've got to remember that you're unique. You've got to stop comparing. And here's a couple of things you can practically do that can help you. And here's here's what it is. You've got to accept who you are. Verse 13, which we've already read, says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. God has made you a certain way. If you want to be the best you you can be, accept it. It's that simple. I know it's not deep, but just accept it. God, you made me this way. So if you made me this way, you've made me this way for a plan and for a purpose and on point. And so I've just got to get with the program. And the program is accept who it is and how it is you've made me. Because here's what I don't understand. And this is where I find myself. I like to think that I'm submissive and that I love God. And I would never argue with him. But you know what? Every time I doubt who he's called me to be, every time I question the way he's created me to be, do you know what I'm doing? I'm doubting God. I'm actually arguing with him. Now, if he was here in the flesh, we would say, oh, no, we would never just go talk to God and have a dialogue with him and tell him. We would all just go, yes, yes, yes. But every time, every time God says, no, 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 I put that in you for a reason. And I say, I don't like that. I'm fighting God. And how, listen to this. I love this scripture. It says, Isaiah 45, 9 and 10 in the message verse. It says, but doom to you who fight your maker. You're a pot at odds with the potter. Does clay talk back to the potter? What are you doing? What clumsy fingers? Would a sperm say to a father, who gave you permission to use me to make a baby? (laughs) Or a fetus to a mother, why have you cooped me up in this belly? Every time you and I say, but God, I want to be this. And why can't I have that? And why can't I have that? Do you know what that scripture tells me? I'm doomed, I tell you, doomed. Every time you fight against God saying, but it's not fair, I wanted to be a singer. It's not fair, I wanted to be able to cook. It's not fair, I wanted to be able to dance. It's not fair. Do you know what this promise is? Doom, you're doomed. If you don't remember anything else this morning, remember this, every time you fight God, you're doomed. Who wants to be doomed? then stop fighting God. Accept who it is that you are. He's made you a certain way. If you can sing, then sing. If you can cook, then cook. If you're good at cleaning, then clean. If you're a teacher, then teach. If you are a taxi driver, then drive. You've got a captive audience. Don't look at it as if saying, oh, why can I only do this? God has created you a certain way. He's made you. Accept it. If you don't, you're doomed and I don't want to be doomed I want to be the best me I can be and to be the best me I can be I've got to accept who it is God has made me to be accept 
who you are. Stop fighting God. Just be you. Fourthly, be thankful. Verse 14 says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know what? We've got to start thanking God. We're talking about how do you be the best you you can be? Start thanking God for how He made you. We heard in the very first week of this series about to think is to thank. And so you sit there and say, well, I've got nothing to thank God for because I'm not happy with. You know what? Start thinking about what it is that God has placed in you, that you can do, that He likes, that you like about you. You know what? I often do that. I sit there and go, you know, what do I like about me? If I'm feeling like I'm struggling in this, what do I like about me? Do you know what I like about me? I'm uncomplicated. It's not for you to judge. It sounds ridiculous for me to tell you, but I'll tell you what I like about me. You can disagree with me later, but I'm uncomplicated. I'm just easygoing. I'm not too fussed. I don't really care. I don't have all of these high needs and whatever. It's like whatever. Quesara, sara, whatever will be, will be. I'm actually quite easygoing. Do you know what else I like about me? Is I'm loyal. I'm like a dog. No, seriously. I'm a good dog. Like you can kick me, you can do whatever. I'll be, <laughs> I'm back. I'm, I like that about me. And sometimes things about you have downsides, but I'm just like, you know what? I had to do business with guys. I like it. I like being loyal. I like the fact my friends know they can count on me. You can, you can say whatever you like about me, you can do whatever. I'm like, oh, I don't like it. But you touch my friends. You're in trouble. You touch my kids, you're in trouble. You touch my church, oh boy, you better run. <laughs> I'm loyal. Do you know what else I like about me? I love to serve. It just, I just do it without even thinking. I love, we have people in our home. I love to, I'm always up, can I get you this? Can I get you that? I had a friend who used to call me, I'm, you're the, can I get you anything, rainbow. That's what he called me. He just say, can I get you anything, Kath? Because I'm always like, can I get you anything? How are you going? They're like, stop, stop. We can get it ourselves. I just, it's just who I am. I say, thank you, God, you made me like that. Because that's held me in certain positions and certain things and certain gifts and roles you've given me to do. Some of these things that sometimes you think, oh, why are we like that? Why, why can't I be like them? Why can't I sing? Why can't I paint? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And I just had to flip it on its head. And so you know what? Because I'm loyal, God has placed me in situations where he knows that I'll be loyal in places where others will run or others will do this. Because I serve, God's placed me in situations and in circumstances where I'll continue to do that. It's just like flip it on its head. Instead of saying, well, I can't do this and I haven't done that and why can't I do this? So just flip it on its head. And here, if you right now in all honesty go, yeah, but there's nothing about me that I like, it's not true, but I'm going to give you some keys to help you so that you can, don't have to find yourself in that position. What you need to do, if you can't make a list about what you like about you, how about have a, here's a list of what God says about you. In John 3.16, it says you are loved. Romans 12.6 says you are gifted. 1 Thessalonians 1.4 says you've been chosen. Romans 8.28 says you've been called. 2 Timothy 3.17 says he's equipped you with everything you need for life and godliness. And 8, Romans 8.31 says God approves of you. If you can't make your own list like I've got and keep adding to it, 
then write that list down and declare that over your life. If you want to be the best you can be, then you be thankful that those are the things that God has said over you, for you, and they're the promise for your future. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And we all know the saying that the grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. And if you want to stop looking at the girlfriend or the person next to you and saying, well, I want that and that's not fair, then start watering your grass. Start speaking life and destiny over you. And then finally, we're talking about how can you be the best you you can be? How can you understand that you're unique and stop comparing? Not only do you accept who you are, not only should you be thankful, but include God. Ask God, say, God, I want to be the best me that I can be and I need your help. Verse 23 says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's no better person to reach out to to help you be you than the God in heaven who made you. I know men joke about not liking to use instruction manuals when they do things. I'm an instruction manual queen. I'll just read it from the get-go because I understand. God created this, or man created this. I've got no idea how this thing works. So I'm just going to follow this to the T. Can I say do that in life? God created us. He made you a certain way. Take it to God. Say, God, I don't get it. I don't know why I can do this and not do that. I don't know why this comes naturally and that doesn't. I don't know why I think like that. I don't know why. Include God. Say, God, you created me. You've made me on purpose for a purpose. I want to know why. Help me. Say, be the same prayer as David. Says, God, search me. Say, God, where am I comparing? Sometimes it's obvious, yes, but sometimes comparison is that little thief that just sneaks in and we're not even aware we do it. Say, God, search me. You know me. Search me and let me know if there's anything hidden or offensive in me. Where am I arguing with your design and plan? Where am I spending so much time trying to justify why I shouldn't be this way? Whereas if I just surrendered to it, we would get on better. And I would probably find, wow, actually, this is working in and through me. How about saying, God, where are my actions offensive to you? And what about even saying, God, help me to be thankful, to be thankful for how you've created me. Help me to be thankful for the gifts and the talents that you've placed within my heart and my life. They might not be what I would have chosen, but they're what you've made me with. So help me to be thankful for that. Help lead me and guide me and help me to be the best me that I can be. Church, every time you're confronted and challenged to doubt who you are, to doubt the way that God has made you, to think about, someone else has done a better, could do a better job or that God got it wrong, I want you to remember, Selah, stop, pause and think about Psalm 139. God knows you. God pursues you. God has made you. And God has a plan for you. He loves you and He wants you to be the best you you can be. God wants you to be the you He created you 
to be. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 